We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast presented by at&t connecting changes everything Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, Daniel, you know those awesome and amazing pictures of Earth that you see from space? I love those Earth as the blue marble pictures. They are gorgeous. Yeah, but I think they're also a little bit creepy. Uh, Creepy because it gives you a sense for like how tiny we are, how insignificant we are in this vast ocean of space. No, because it sort of makes me feel like, what if there's something out there taking a picture of us? (laughs) You know, like if I step outside, am I on camera? (laughs) Yeah, what if they're like aliens on other planets watching us on the surface of the Earth? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess that would really worry me, except that I don't think I'm that interesting. (laughs) I don't know. I bet everything that we do would be hilarious to aliens. Live from Earth, it's every night. (laughs) Earth, the live action comedy show. Hi, I'm Jorge. I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist, and I'm always wondering if the aliens are watching. Or hearing or listening, right? They could be, or or feeling us. I don't know. <laughs> or sending emails to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Any one of those emails you get every week, every day, could be from an alien. That's right. I have no idea who's actually behind those emails. It could be a person. It could be a clever dog. It could be our interstellar listeners. That's right. Bob from China could actually be uh, Bob from Alpha Centauri. You never know. It could just be their handle. (laughs) If he's from Alpha Centauri and he's managed to email us, I wish he would send us some answers and not just some questions. (laughs) Wouldn't wouldn't that be disappointing (laughs) if you finally meet aliens and all they have is just more questions? (laughs) Well, that really just depends on who meets who. I mean, if they make it here, they got to know more about physics than we Mm. do. 
Well, anyways, welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. In which we talk about all the incredible, beautiful, amazing, weird, bonkers phenomena that make up the universe around us and share with you our wonder and try to touch on the wonder that's inside you, the curiosity to understand the universe. That's right. We talk about all the amazing things to see from this little rock that we're sitting on called planet Earth. And we also like to talk about all the things we can quite see just yet, but that we may one day. That's right. The journey of humanity and science has been one of ever-reaching ability to see further and further into the universe. First, we just looked up with our eyeballs. Then we built telescopes to reveal the moons of Jupiter and the farthest planets. Then we saw even further to discover that there were other galaxies out there in the universe. And now we have an incredible 3D vision of a huge, vast reach of space. But there are questions that remain. What's out there? Who's out there? What are they doing? Are they listening to this podcast? That's right. Who or what is out there? Because who knows if aliens (laughs) even go by who, right? What's their pronoun? Not sure. Is that your first question? My first question is about physics. Your first question is, what's your pronoun? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's kind of the standard these days. That's true. Diplomacy um, will be important if we don't want to get eaten before we even get to ask physics questions. (laughs) I see. Or if we want to choose how we get eaten, you know? You never know. Uh, But we do talk about aliens sometimes in this podcast. And it's something that, you know, we, we talked about having skepticism about. And we've talked about whether it's possible that there are aliens out there. But I guess one thing we've never really touched on is the fact that if there are aliens out there, they probably come from a planet. Yes, a planet or a moon right? or some rocky body. But, you know, again, it depends on sort of how you define aliens. If you mm-hmm. define it to be some kind of life that's similar at all to ours, then, yeah, you'll need some kind of environment that's similar to ours. But, you know, you could imagine aliens living in energy streams inside suns or intergalactic media on very long time scales. The more science fiction you read, the more crazy ideas you need to think about. Oh, I see. Huh. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I'm thinking more of like aliens who live on planets. Yeah. And so the question is, could we ever take a picture of these aliens and their planets? And um, what what's possible to see from other planets that are not in our solar system? And it's crazy that we even think about this kind of question, because remember, it's only like 20, 25 years ago that we figured out that there are other planets out there and that we could detect them. We could like measure them and prove that they exist. That's like a very recent discovery. You know, in the 1980s, we had ideas. We were pretty sure there were planets in other solar systems, but we'd never actually seen one. And so it's pretty recent that this is like something we can grapple with at all. And so now, of course, we're getting greedy and we're wondering like, well, you know, how well can we see them? Can we zoom in on these planets? Yeah. So today on the podcast, we'll be asking the question... Can we see the surface... Of exoplanets. (laughs) Exoplanets. And right off the bat, I want to clarify something because I feel like a lot of the coverage of exoplanets, Mm. when they discover a new one, it usually says, you know, new Earth-like planet discovered. And then in the article, there's a picture of a nice ocean world with continents, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think people get the impression that that that's a picture of that planet. But for some reason, space journalism usually features artists' baloney renditions instead of Mm. real data. So much to unpack there, Daniel, in your statement. 
Uh, first of all, space journalism, man, and what a fun title to have in your business card. I'm a space journalist. Yeah, exactly. I'm a space reporter. Kudos to those people. But why do they keep featuring, you know, artists' imagination over data? I have nothing against artists' imagination, but it's not a stand-in for actual knowledge. <laughs> I'll just put in my business card, intrepid space reporter. <laughs> why not? But maybe this is, might not be a word that everyone who's listening has heard of before. Exoplanet. Does that mean that it's like a exoplanet or, a, you know, like a kitchen utensil type of planet? <laughs> it just means a planet outside of our solar system, that, right? That's why we put the word exo in front of it. Mm -hmm. It's like outside planets. Yeah, exo just means in another solar system. And so exoplanet just means a planet around another star. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen in our solar system, there are eight or nine planets, depending on which side of that ridiculous argument you fall. But other solar systems are really far away, three, four, ten, a thousand light years away. Mm. And so the planets around those stars, remember, planets are really small compared to stars. And so the planets around those stars are very difficult to even detect not to mention actually image or like zoom in on to see what's going on in that neighborhood. Yeah. And like you said, we up until about 20, 30 years ago, we only had an idea that there could be other planets out there, but we didn't really confirm or really have physical evidence that there existed other planets. Like it could have been that every star we see in the night sky doesn't have any planets and we are the only planets in the universe. That's right. Just like we don't know whether we're alone in the universe, we didn't until recently know whether we were the only planets in the universe, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, the universe is crazy sometimes and you don't know if you're one of a kind and the reason you're asking this question is because you're the only one around to ask it or if you're one in a trillion. As so far, the trend seems to be the one in a trillion direction. There are lots of galaxies. There are lots of stars. Now we know there are lots of planets, but you can't make assumptions. You can't just, you know, artists imagination your way to answers. You have to actually figure them out. Yeah. And so now we know that there are a, a ton of planets out there, you know, not just like a few planets out there, but it's like almost every, we know for sure, almost every star out there has probably a handful of planets, right? Yeah. And every time we discover one of these planets, I wonder like, wow, what does it look like? Like, mm -hmm. what's going on over there? Yeah. And it's a fascinating question. And, you know, we only recently saw close-ups of the planets in our solar systems. We sent these missions just in the last 20, 30 years to take close-up images of Jupiter and Saturn. And then in the last few years of Pluto, you know, Pluto, until we sent New Horizons to image it, was just like a little fuzzy dot in even the most powerful telescopes. Now we know it has that cool heart shape on it. But there's like a, a human need to visualize things, to see them close up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the question is, if we are ever going to, I don't know, study other exoplanets out there in the galaxy or in the universe or, you know, sort of get confirmation of what they look like, what will we need to do? Like, do we need to send a satellite to take a picture or could we take a picture from here? Yeah, it's a fascinating question. I would love to see these pictures of planets around other stars and maybe we'll see like aliens spelling out messages for us or something. Yeah. <laughs> SOS. Like, like with rocks on the beach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send, send more pizza. Maybe that's what the heart in Pluto is. Mm. <laughs> It's, maybe, there's a message from maybe. Plutonians right now that we're totally like, oh, that's cute. It's a heart. And they're in distress. Oh, man. And here we are making jokes yeah. about it, man. We are heartless. Yeah. 
But anyways, as usual, uh, we were curious to see how many people knew sort of about exoplanets and also whether or not we can see the surface of exoplanets. And so uh, Daniel went out there into the, the wilds of the internet to ask this question. Yes, yeah, so thank you to everybody who volunteered your time to answer speculative questions online and to hear your wild speculations on the podcast. If you'd like to participate in future listener questions, please just shoot us a message to questions at danielandjorge.com. So think about it for a second. Do you think we can see the surface of other planets in the galaxy? Here's what people had to say. I don't think we have any technology right now uh, to see planets, exoplanets from space. That might depend what you mean by see. I don't think we can see the surface of exoplanets. I'd imagine you'd need to get a spacecraft out there. I'm not sure. I think they might be too far away. I don't think we can actually physically see any surfaces of exoplanets as I don't think we've got a telescope that um, is anyone near them? Yes, definitely. I would say no. I don't think we can. As far as I understand, we can't We can't really see exoplanets at all. We can just detect them. All right, not a lot of optimism here for taking a picture. Everyone's like, no, nope. mm-hmm. <laughs> only a couple of yeses. Yeah, pretty much universally shot down uh, because it seems ridiculous, right? Like, like we said, the planets in our own solar system are so far away that it's hard to image. So how could you possibly imagine taking a picture of the surface of planets super far away around other stars? It sounds like ridiculous science fiction. Yeah, it's like trying to, I guess, take a picture of a marble. Uh, that's across the world, maybe. Is that, I don't know if the scale works out, but it, it sounds like that. it's that hard. Yeah, a marble across the world that's next to a really bright light. <laughs> yeah, next to a lighthouse, I've heard that. Yeah, exactly. And now you want to see like, yeah, but is it a blue marble? Is it a green marble? Yeah. Are there tiny little bugs walking on the surface of that marble? People want to know. What's the pattern of <laughs> air molecules around that little marble? Yeah, we want to predict the weather on other planets, even though we can't even predict the weather here on Earth. All right, well, step us through this. I guess um, maybe let's start with the basics. Like, how do we know where there are other planets out there and how many there are? Like, what do we know? How do we find other planets outside of our solar system? Right, well, the first thing to understand is that seeing those other planets directly is really, really hard, which is why this whole, like, topic is so ambitious and, and maybe ridiculous. And the way that we know that those planets exist is not by seeing them. Right. Those pictures you see in the science articles are not pictures of those planets. They're totally made up. Instead, all we can do is see the effect of those planets on the stars that they are orbiting. Like we don't see anything really directly about the planet. We see how it impacts the star and sort of in two different ways. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that listener who said it, it kind of depends on what you mean by seeing another planet, right? Like uh, if mm -hmm. we only f see mm -hmm. its effects on yeah. other things, does that really count as seeing or not? Yeah, and we got into that whole rabbit hole when we talked about the black hole. Like, are we seeing the black hole? Are we seeing the gas around the black hole, et cetera, et cetera? Mm. Well, in this case, what we're seeing is two different effects on the star. One is the wobble of the star. So when a planet orbits a star, it's orbiting because the star is pulling on it with its gravity. But there's a reverse effect also. The planet is pulling on the star with its gravity. So the two are sort of tugging on each other. And of course, the planet is much smaller, so it moves a lot more, but the star also moves. And if you take really careful pictures of the star, you can detect this wobble. 
because it's periodic, right? As the planet goes around, it wobbles steadily. It's not like a random jiggle. So if you watch it over a period of time, you can see the star moving and that tells you how massive the planet is, whether there's a planet there and how massive it is. Mm, right. You measure the, the wiggle in the, the star and you do it through like the Doppler effect, right? When it wiggles towards us, then the light shifts a, a certain color. And when it's wiggling away from us, it's just another color. And so physicists, astronomers can actually detect that. In the little bit of light that comes from that star, you can actually detect that wiggle, which is amazing. Which is amazing, right? Like everything that the astronomers are doing here is sort of aspirational. Like 20 years beforehand, people would have scoffed at it. Like that's impossible. But now we're doing it. And that's the kind of thing that motivates you to think like, well, what do we think now might be impossible that in 20 years we'll have figured out and then we'll be thinking about the next thing, right? Science and technology moves exponentially. So it's good to think mm, big. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the first method. The second one is uh, the brightness method. And that's if the planet happens to pass between us and the star, then it partially blocks the light from that star. It's like a fly you know, flying in front of a lighthouse, you can detect a very small dip in the amount of light that comes from the lighthouse. Mm. And again, it's periodic. You can see it regularly. So you build this up over many, many orbits and you can get evidence that it's there. Right. And it's it's kind of a very specific dip in the light, right? Like a little fly flying in front of a lighthouse. Uh, you would see the light from the lighthouse mm -hmm sort of like a fly eclipse almost, but only a little bit. You see the light sort of dip, yeah. stay even as the fly makes it across the lighthouse surface and then pop back up when the fly leaves the, the kind of the brightness of the, the lighthouse. And so you're looking for these very specific kind of dips in the light, right? That's right. Not every variation in a star's brightness is due to a planet. You're exactly right. It has to be very consistent with the orbit of an object around the star and it would make that pattern. In fact, there was that star recently we saw where there was a very inconsistent dip in the light around the star. And people thought, oh, maybe that's aliens building some huge megastructure and it's only <laughs> half finished and they haven't finished the parking Ooh. lot on that interstellar mall. And that's why what? the light is dipping in this weird way. They just went straight for the aliens. <laughs> They're like, there's an unusual variation, aliens. Aliens. Prezi, um, alien yeah, and so we've seen this on lots and lots of planets now. But, you know, it requires the planet to be in the right plane. Like the plane of these solar systems, the, the plane around which the planets are orbiting the star is randomly organized in the galaxy. And so it has to be aligned just right so the planet actually goes in front of its star. Mm -hmm. So not every big planet out there can we even see with this brightness method. Right. And, and this is sort of historical, right? Because I think they started detecting planets with the wobble method, I think. And then they sort of switch to the brightness method of, of looking at the dips in the light. Mm -hmm. And that's where the explosion of exoplanets really, or the, the discovery of exoplanets happened because then we were able with the Hubble telescope to just like survey a bunch of stars at the same time and look for these dips in brightness. Yeah, and now we have dedicated telescopes just to do this, just to find planets through the brightness method. So it's much more powerful now that we have the technology. And now we've seen yeah. thousands and thousands of planets like we haven't seen them in the sense we don't have an image of them. We have to resort to artists if we want to poof up our science journalism a little bit. But we have evidence that they exist. We know their mass and we know their radius. And so we know something about them, but we don't have images of them. We don't know necessarily what they look right. like. We sort of, I feel like we know their, we've seen their shadow, kind of, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen their, mm -hmm. where, where, how they block the light. And that tells us a lot about like the mass and the, 
the the orbit. We don't have a picture of a surface yet. Yeah, that's a great analogy because we know from the shadow that it exists. It must be there because it's blocking the light. It's having this impact on the light source. But it's not the same thing as seeing the object itself. All right, well, let's get into the problem of taking a picture of the surface and whether or not it's even possible. But first, let's take a quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right, it's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. All right, we're talking about taking pictures of exoplanets, planets outside of our solar system. And whether or not those pictures you see in the in science fiction or in some news reports is um, to be believed. <laughs> so this is a, a really hard problem to actually see the surface. But actually, I was just kind of thinking back, is, isn't there, don't we have a picture sort of of some exoplanets orbiting around a star? Like I have a memory of some, of like an image of uh, some blobs around a bigger blob, which is the sun. Well, the, the thing that's important to remember, though, is that it's theoretically possible. Like, what happens to a photon which comes off of some exoplanet, some planet really far away? The light from its star has hit it, and then it's come out into space. And we, we know, obviously, that happens. You can see the Earth from space, right? It doesn't glow on its own. It's reflecting light from its sun. But think about what happens mm-hmm. to a photon that hits that exoplanet and flies off into space. There's nothing that prevents it from getting to Earth, right? It can fly from the surface of that planet, carrying information about the alien's lunch mm. or whatever, and come all the way to Earth and hit your eyeball. Yeah. 
no theoretical problem to that. Just like right? it's theoretically possible to see a Marvel halfway across the world if you, yeah. if you somehow had a, a good enough eye. Exactly. The problem is that you don't get very many of those photons, right? You get one photon from that alien's lunch, but because the planet is so far away, most of the photons go in mm -hmm. other directions and those photons spread out. And as you get further and further away, the density of those photons drops like one over the distance square. Mm. I think about the surface of a sphere that surrounds that. Right. The area of that surface of the sphere grows like the radius squared. And so by the time it gets here, you just have very um. few photons. So really it's a question of like, gathering enough light. The light is getting here. You just need to gather enough of it and mm -hmm. separate it out from any other light that might be overpowering it or confusing you. And as you were saying earlier, there are a very small handful of these things where we have seen the planet directly. I mean, we have a few pictures where the planet is far enough from the star and big enough to reflect enough light that we can see that it's there. But that only works for a very few exoplanets. And we've seen thousands of them the other ways. And for the ones where we can directly image them, it's not very satisfying. It's not seeing the surface of the exoplanet. It's just like one pixel. It doesn't tell us if it's an ocean world or if there are forests or just dust. We really need a lot more magnification to see the features, to see the surface of the planet. Right. Because I guess, you know, it's kind of like the picture of Earth from the from the moon. You know, we can take a picture of the Earth from the moon, but, but then you could even go further. And technically, you, you could still take a picture if you had kind of a, a big enough zoom lens. Yeah, exactly. And you can imagine like taking a picture of the Earth from Pluto, right? Like you've seen those pictures of satellites that are flying out into the outer reaches of the solar system. The Earth looks like a tiny dot. Mm -hmm. All the information is still there. When you went outside and you waved up at the sky, the information from those photons is still out there in space, but it's spread out really far. And so the photons density is very low. So you would need to either gather information for a long time or a really big lens. Mm. Like somebody did the calculation and discovered if you wanted to take the picture of another planet around another star, you'd need a telescope that's like 100 kilometers wide mm -hmm. and you'd need to gather light for like 10,000 years. Wow. That would not fit in my iPhone for sure. <laughs> or my lifespan. <laughs> you know that pause when you press the take the picture button and it actually collects the light and takes the picture and then you hear that click sound? Mm -hmm. Imagine if that pause is 10,000 years. Like you press, all right, <laughs> yeah. take the picture. Don't move. <laughs> Smile. Oh, exactly. man. And hold it. So that's how much it would take. But, um, you know, I feel like we have telescopes that like gather one photon at a time. You know, couldn't we make use of every photon that comes in and kind of reconstruct a hazy picture? Yeah, but, you know, you could imagine building a telescope that's 100 kilometers wide, even if it's not actually physically 100 kilometers wide, by assembling different telescopes that are like around the Earth, et cetera, et cetera. But you'd still have to gather light for a very, very long time mm. because there just aren't that many photons. I mean, we're talking about a very small object that's not even that bright. And it's really, really far away. Mm. So the numbers are really working against you. But in principle, those photons are there. So if you develop a big enough telescope or run it for long enough, then, hey, maybe it's possible. Right. So that's the nexus of the idea. That's the technical challenge that this problem is facing. Right. It's just that uh, it's really small. And so it's really faint. Yeah. And it's super far away. Exactly. 
All right. Well, then uh, how could we possibly ever see the surface of these other planets, Daniel? Well, the idea is literally build as big a telescope as possible. And because that's the only way you can overcome these tiny numbers is to have a massive telescope. Mm. And, you know, we can't build something that's like the size of the Earth. So the idea is to use things that are already there, to use the Earth or the sun, especially as a lens. Because remember, the sun is a big ball of stuff. And stuff has gravity and gravity bends light. Mm. And so a big ball of stuff can act as a huge lens. We've seen this in the sky already. If you Google gravitational lensing, you can see these amazing pictures where we have some blob of dark matter. And in the background, way behind it is a galaxy. And the light from that galaxy is distorted by the dark matter acting as a gravitational lens. Right. Yeah. We could use the sun as our zoom lens. Yeah. Is that kind of the, except that it's on fire. (laughs) Except that it's on fire, which, you know, causes some problems. Usually that's not what you want in your telescope, but in this case. (laughs) (laughs) Usually you don't want it to be too hot to handle. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're thinking if you're going to build a telescope using some big massive object, use the biggest thing nearby. And the sun by far is Mm. the biggest blob of mass. But uh, you you were saying you you need about, uh, I guess you need a hundred kilometer wide lens, but over 10,000 years. I was just wondering like Mm -hmm. if you you could use the moon or something. Yeah, the moon just wouldn't be big enough. So the idea is to use the sun because it gathers a lot of light. Like it's so strong gravitationally that it's pulling photons nearby and focusing them. And so you get a factor of 100 billion magnification if you use the sun as a lens, Mm. which is a pretty big number. Right. What was the number again? 100 billion. 100 billion. 10 to the 11. Oh, wow. That's a lot of zeros. Yeah, it's a lot of zeros. Before the X. Yeah. And so (laughs) the label of your telescope. And so the idea is you have your planet, which you want to image, which is really, really far away. Mm -hmm. And then between the planet and you, you put the sun. So then the sun bends a bunch of the photons which are flying towards our solar system, but which otherwise would not have hit Earth, now get all bent together to some focal point some focal point on the other side of the sun where you can gather all these photons together. So it's like you're capturing a huge number of photons, which otherwise would have just keep flying apart and you're bending them together into one place so you can gather them together. That's essentially how the magnification works. Oh, you need to put your camera, your sensor pretty far away from the sun. You're saying way past Pluto. Way past Pluto. Yeah, this thing would be 60 billion miles from the sun. So the, yeah, you have the exoplanet, which is like light years away, and then you have the sun, mm-hmm. then you have the focal point, which is on the other side of the sun from the exoplanet, but yeah, it's 16 times as far away from the sun as Pluto. Wow. Have we ever gone out that far? We have not. We have not? We have oh, not. all right. No. <laughs> um, Voyager 1 is the thing that's gone the furthest, the man-made object that's deepest in space, mm-hmm. and it's only gone 13 billion miles. And so this thing would need to be out there 60 billion miles. And, you know, Voyager 1's been going for 40 years. Wow. So there are a lot of technical hurdles to making this work. Just to take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> just, I say just, just to let take the a artists picture. do it, Daniel. <laughs> Use your imagination. Sounds cheaper. <laughs> they should draw more aliens then. If you're going to let an artist do it, then let him run wild. But I just love the, you know, the scale of this idea, the hubris, the like, you know, let's use the sun to take a picture. I just mm. love it. But how would you, I guess, block, the? you need to block the light from the sun and then gather the other, the light coming from around the sun. Yeah, because you can't see the photons that actually hit the sun, right? The sun is not transparent. 
What you're seeing are the photons that sort of skim the sun. Mm -hmm. They go near the sun and then get bent towards your camera. Mm -hmm. And your camera is some satellite that's like super deep in space, right? But if you do this, there's a lot of information there. In principle, they've crunched the numbers. You can take a picture of that planet that's like megapixel quality. For real? For real. Every pixel that you capture in your satellite would be equivalent to like 25 square kilometers on the surface of that planet. Which is not uh, small, which is nothing. It's pretty small. You could see, you know, oceans, you could see continents. You probably couldn't see aliens spelling out SOS on the beach. Unless they're big aliens. <laughs> Unless they're really, really, they've had a lot of pizza. But yeah, you could see the shape. You could see like, you know, even maybe mega structures, right? You could see stuff on the surface. Oh, um, cities. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, if they have like a massive space infrastructure, you might even be able to see that. So that would be incredible. I mean, imagine seeing that picture. Yeah. Imagine being those scientists, building this technology, pressing the button. And then, you know, a few years later, you get the result and you get to actually see this. Like, wow, what a moment that would be for humanity. Wow. So let's do it. Why don't we, why don't we do it? It sounds like, it doesn't, it sounds like you just have to build, build a satellite. What's, what's the technical or um, financial hurdle here? Well, number one is that it'll take a long time to get there. Right. So mm -hmm. we spent 40 years getting Voyager 1 out 13 billion miles. So we don't want this to happen in 160 years. Right. We need to mm -hmm. somehow get there faster. Right. But, but Voyager doesn't have like booster rockets or anything, does it? Can, don't we have technology now to get there faster? Yeah, exactly. Voyager is not a race car. Right. We have ways and ideas to make things go faster. And the idea is instead of sending one big satellite, which is sort of hard to power, sending a bunch of micro satellites like streams of pearls of satellites, and each one powered by a solar sail. A solar sail is not actually like a, a jet engine of any kind. It just captures the energy of the sun's own light and sails on it. It captures those photons and it uses that to pull mm. itself along. All right. Well, uh, it sounds pretty cool. And I say, let's do it, Daniel. Let's just, uh, like, uh, let me hop on the phone here with NASA and uh, I'll let him know I approve <laughs> <Okay>. this plan. <laughs> That's what they've been waiting for. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about maybe what we would actually see in these other planets if we ever took a picture of them. But first, let's take a quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. All right, Daniel, so you have a plan for taking pictures of planets outside of the galaxy, and people have crunched the numbers, and it is kind of possible if you put a satellite out past, way past Pluto, you could use our sun as the lens and actually take like high resolution pictures of planets in other stars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what's the hurdle here? Uh, The hurdle is really just making it work and getting the money. We think we know how to do it. There's just a lot of technical issues to overcome. And this is something that NASA is actually supportive of. This is not just like crazy bonkers idea out there on the internet, you know, in some Reddit thread. This is a proposal that's into NASA that's moving along the stages that could actually be approved. And they're taking these challenges seriously. Mm. And the challenges are basically like, how to get out there quickly, how to point this thing accurately enough, how to build a big enough satellite because the image is going to be still really huge and you want to sample it enough, how to control this thing when it's really far away. Also, how to pick which planet to look at because one issue is you build this thing, you send it to one place in space, it can only look at one planet. You can't like turn this thing to look at a totally new planet. We can't turn it? We can't turn it because the location of an image for an exoplanet is in a specific spot in space. And then if you want to image another exoplanet, you have to go to where that image is, right? The image is always on the other side Mm. of the sun. You can't move the sun, so you have to move where your camera is. And those locations are really, really far apart. And so basically you have to pick before you go. You just send your camera out there and you have a telescope dedicated to one planet. Oh, really? I would think that there are so many stars out there that we would have our thousands of exoplanets that we know about and and could focus on. Wouldn't the space be littered with images of these planets? Yeah, but you have to be really precise about where you're imaging. And so in order to change the target that you're looking at, you need to be able to move laterally. And most of these spacecraft that we're sending are only going to be able to move radially. Like we're sending them out there and they're actually going to be traveling outwards as they take an image. They're not going to stop. It's not like they get out there to the focal point and then they just stop. They get out there, they start taking images when they get to the focal point, but it's more actually of a focal line. And as you move along that line, you get further from the sun, Mm -hmm. you take pictures of different parts of the planet. So you have to integrate over many years as you move further and further away. So it's it's like a one-shot deal. What? Couldn't we build a spacecraft that, you know, stands still and takes the picture? Yeah, that would be much more complicated. You'd have to be able to stop. These things can be moving really, really fast by the time they get out there. To get out there at a reasonable amount of time, you need to accelerate to a very high speed. Mm-hmm. And then to stop requires as much energy. But you no longer have access to 
you know, the solar energy in order to slow down. And we only know how to build solar sails to sort of speed up. Slowing down is a whole different problem. <laughs> you need a solar parachute or something. <laughs> a solar brake, you know. yeah. All right, yeah, you were telling me that these things would need to be, would take 25 years to get there. And they would need to be 300 times more accurate than Hubble, which is pretty kind of our state of the art kind of. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to point very precisely. Like the light is going to be coming from that planet, bending around the sun, making this Einstein ring. It gets distributed all the way around the sun. And then you have to point at exactly the right spot in the Einstein ring. And even still, even though you have all this magnification from the sun, you still have to spend a lot of time building up the image. So you want to keep your camera pointed at exactly essentially the same target pixel for weeks and weeks and weeks or months in order to gather in a photon to actually see what's mm. there. This is sounding less appealing by the by the minute here, Daniel. I'm like, mm, how much do I want to see a picture of another planet? What do you mean? It's just engineering trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you want to, you want to. I mean, I want to enough for both of us, trust me. What if we uh, pick one planet and we send a satellite and it's, it's a boring planet? That's a real concern, you know. If we have 4,000 planets to pick from, it could be that like 100 of them have amazing superstructures and alien life on them. And we just pick one that's like dust and rubble. And it's like, yawn and that was a hundred billion dollars and 30 years of work oh my goodness let's send so, four thousand yeah. satellites then that's obviously <laughs> the <go>. solution <laughs> that is a great idea i'm loving that idea it's kind of like how people take pictures these days with their phone you know they don't just take one picture <laughs> they go like tap, 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 and then later you pick the one where nobody's blinking yeah i'm pretty sure they do that because those pictures are free and if each one costs a hundred billion dollars <laughs> people might press that button with a little more thought <laughs> yeah they might think about it a little bit more for sure yeah and you know we think we know how to solve this problem but there are still a lot of technical issues like we are seeing faint photons coming through the corona of the sun essentially and you have to pick out these photons from that corona, it's not an easy job to increase the signal to noise ratio to the point mm. where this is actually going to be doable. You need a pretty good set of sunglasses or pretty solid thumb to put in front of the sun. Yeah, absolutely you do. In addition, this thing has to basically control itself. It's going to be so far away from the Earth that we can't like send messages. You can't drive this thing with a joystick. It's, it's going to take four days for messages from Earth to get to our camera that's out there in the solar focal point. And so basically it has to organize itself. It has to be basically AI power. Oh my goodness. The first AI photographer. <laughs> that's right. How do we know it's not just doing deep fakes and sending us images it's made up on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The alien could gain a sentience and then it'd be like, this is too much work. If I send them a boring planet, they're going to fire me. I'll just deep fake a fun, cool planet <laughs> with aliens in it. Yep. And then we'll get all excited. We'll send an interstellar ship towards the direction of that planet. And then only in a thousand years will we discover that we were lied to. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome plot for a science fiction novel. <laughs> a little bit of a letdown at the end, but uh, <laughs> sounds interesting. But you're right. We could take a picture of this planet and we could discover nothing. Or it could be fascinating. Or it could be like confusing and fuzzy, right? Mm. We're going to see a picture of this planet. We're not going to necessarily be able to tell what we want. We're not going to see literal aliens walking around on the surface at 25 square kilometers per pixel. We might just be able to make out fuzzy details. I mean, remember what it was like when we first got pictures of the surface of Mars from Earth. People thought they saw faces and canals right. and there was lots of excitement, of course, 
all of which was bubkis. Wait, they did see a face, didn't they? Yeah, they saw a face, but it was just a mountain shape where they happened to have a shadow that looked like a face, right? <laughs> no, I mean, isn't there a big smiley face on the surface of Mars? <laughs> or, was it, or did I read that in a yeah, comic Yeah, I'm not book? sure if that was an artist impression or actual data. All right. Well, um, it sounds like uh, it's going to be pretty difficult to get a picture. Can we send a satellite to another planet, Daniel, and take a picture closer? Uh, we certainly could, and that would be awesome. But it would take a zillion years to get a there. zillion. I guess what's the closest exoplanet that we know about? Yeah, the closest exoplanets are, you know, in the five to ten light year distance. Mm. And and that's pretty far away. You know, if you built Hubble, for example, and sent it that far away, you couldn't send it at really high speeds very easily. It can't tolerate a lot of acceleration. So it would take a long time to get there and then take those pictures and send them back. I mean, hey, that also sounds like a good idea. Let's do both. <laughs> Let's do it all. Let's do it all. I mean, we're spending trillions on everything these days. So yeah. why not 100 billion to see pictures of aliens? Yeah, well, it would take maybe like a, a couple of dozen years, you think? Or hundreds of years to go and take a picture of another planet. How long it takes to get out there depends a lot on the propulsion you use. And for your very expensive, important telescope, you probably want gentle acceleration. But you also want it to get going pretty fast. So... I think the best option is to build like a solar sail the size of Texas. And that might be able to get your telescope up to like 10% of the speed of light. And it would still take like, you know, 50 to 100 years to get there. But hey, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> You're like, this one is Daniel approved. Call NASA. <laughs> yeah, Let me start exactly. a Reddit thread here to, um, to tell me we approve. I only have enthusiasm. I have no responsibility. And that's why I have no <laughs> authority also to make these decisions. <laughs> Somehow the two are linked. But you're not quite sure why. Exactly. Exactly. No, but I think it's a fascinating question. I think it's sort of the next generation, you know, the next frontier in understanding what's out there in the universe is to get these close-up pictures of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping that this kind of thing happens and that we press the button and we see the picture and that I get to see the picture, a literal picture, not an artist's impression of what's happening on these planets. Right. Because, you know, it feels like a basic human curiosity, you know, to see pictures, to see like actual photographs of something, not just like the blip in the light or, mm -hmm. you know, the gravitational effects or something. You know, we there's something about uh, our human brain that we just, we need to see it. Yeah, and, you know, it makes you wonder if there are alien civilizations out there that already have this technology. Ooh. And if we're on the verge of it and we've only been around for a few tens of thousands of years as a civilization, certainly somebody else has figured this out and yeah. somebody else may have even put a picture of Earth up on their wall somewhere right. out there in the universe. And then tragically, they'll swipe left. <laughs> they, they're like, oh, look at this blue planet. Eh, it looks kind of boring. Let's, or, let's keep going. Yeah, or maybe that's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, this blue planet doesn't look delicious. Let's keep on. Let's keep on. What do you want for lunch today? You guys feeling like Earth or, you know, some other planet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Everybody uh, look as unappealing as possible. I think we're, we're on our way there, Daniel. That's right. I do my best not to look delicious every day. All right. Well, we uh, hope you enjoyed that and, and hope you look at the night sky or look at the sky out there and wonder what do other planets look like? Do they look like Earth or Mars or Venus or Jupiter or maybe something completely different? That's right. And remember that the technologies, the capabilities that we are scoffing at today are things that scientists and engineers are imagining and working on to make possible for tomorrow. And humanity's ability to see what's out there in the universe, to understand what's in this crazy bonkers cosmos and to peel back 
layers of reality to penetrate what's really happening seems unlimitable. And so hopefully our children and our children's children will know so much more about the way the universe actually looks. Yeah, yeah. And they won't have to use their imagination. <laughs> That's right. And maybe it'll even be cheap by then. There'll be an app for that in 500 years, right? <laughs> That's right. You can swipe left, right, up and down. <laughs> See any planet you like. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. See you next time. Thanks for listening. And remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island. It becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.